Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Victory Family Church, how we doing? Stuff. It's so good to see you guys today. Hey, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is TJ. I'm an associate pastor at a Norman campus. Uh, but something that I also get to do is I get to go to different campuses from time to time and get the opportunity to preach. And so excited to be hanging out with you guys today in Newcastle. I love it here. And I love this church. I love this family. I love your heart. Um, you can just sense every time that I come here, I can just sense uh, God's presence and your love for people and your love for this community. And so I celebrate you guys. And of course, I love your pastors as well. Pastor Matt and Julie, come on. Can we honor your pastors, celebrate them, thank them for all that they do. For real, some of the most incredible people and leaders I've ever been around. Um, and then I also hear next week, three years, three years. No way it's been three years. That is wild. So cool. So cool to see all that God has done over these last three years here in Newcastle. In fact, I remember it was before I was even on staff, but I followed Victory Family Church on social media. And I remember launch day, you were like talking to the phone, the camera about like how awesome it was. And Pastor Adam just comes and jumps on your back and is just like, yeah, let's go. Does anyone remember that? Anyone? Okay. So cool. So cool to see all that God's done. So be here next week to celebrate that three years. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff outside, fun stuff for the kids. Come on, family cookout. Come on, somebody. So it's going to be smelling good around here. So make sure that you come and hang out and celebrate all that God has done these last three years. And as you also look ahead to all that God is going to continue to do. Amen. Uh, raise your hand if you love junk food. Anyone else besides me love junk food? Come on, somebody. My people. My people, I do. I, I love junk food and, and like literally my probably my ideal day of food would be waking up in the morning and having a piece of coconut cream pie with my coffee. Come on, somebody. And then maybe in the afternoon, I'd get me a nice bacon cheeseburger with jalapenos on it from five guys with those Cajun fries. You know what I mean? The Cajun fries. And then in the evening, maybe get me like a, like a really big medium rare ribeye with a loaded baked potato. And when I say loaded, I mean loaded, right? Empty that sour cream and that butter, the whole bag of cheese. Just put that on that potato. I don't want to taste the potato. I want everything else that's in that, right? I, I, I tend to like food that isn't exactly, exactly great for you. Now, on the other hand, I'd also like to get a little healthier. Right? I'd like to drop a few LBs, um, but the problem is, is I'll eat chicken and veggies and tuna for one day, get on the scale, and, and I'm mad that I didn't drop 15 pounds in one day, right? Like, it's hard to do the right thing when, when you don't always necessarily immediately see results. Now, I, I think you could argue that most of what we do in life is an investment, that we're investing in ourselves and in the person that we are becoming, or we're investing in the people around us, right? We invest our time and our talent and our resources to, to make a difference, or, or even eating healthy. It's kind of an investment. I am, in, in a sense, sacrificing present joy for the joy of being healthier in, in the future. So, so it's, a, it's an investment. And, and the thing is, is probably a, a lot like some of you, I don't like when there is a long gap between the investment and the return, right? I don't want there to be a big gap there. That's why I don't think I could ever be a farmer, 
Farmers work harder than probably everybody in this room, right? The early mornings, the long hours, the blood, sweat, and tears put into the ground. And then the patience, come on, that's a cuss word right there, right? (laughs) The patience to be able to wait for, for the harvest. But, but the nice thing, at least, about farming, or even just at least in the general sense of planting seeds, is I know that when I plant a seed, I know kind of a general timeline of when that seed is going to sprout and bring forth fruit, right? Even from just a quick Google search, I know that if I plant an apple seed, that it's probably going to take about seven to 10 years for that apple, apple seed to become an apple tree that is producing apples. I know that if I plant a watermelon seed, it's probably going to take about 80 to 90 days for me to be able to reap a harvest of watermelons. There's something called the Coco de Mar that I discovered this week. It's also called the double coconut, which I'm in. That sounds great. Uh, But it's a form of a palm tree that can take anywhere from 25 to 50 years to reach maturity. Once mature, the palms begin to flower, creating seeds that take two years to germinate and then fruit that takes six to 10 years to ripen. That is a long process and that is a lot of patience, but at least I know going into it, at least the general timeline of when the planting of the seed is going to reap a harvest. The scripture talks a lot about planting seeds. It talks a lot about reaping a harvest, so much to the point that a lot of our lives as followers of Jesus really can be described using that type of language. Time with your family, you're planting seeds. A life of generosity, you are planting seeds. Discipling and investing in the people around you, you are planting seeds. So much of our lives in the kingdom of God can be described as planting seeds that we pray and believe will one day become a harvest. But unlike farming in God's kingdom, there's not always general timelines or an understanding from the point of when we plant the seed, when that seed will eventually reap a harvest. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know if it's going to be immediately that we plant a seed in someone's life and immediately it sprouts and brings forth fruit and we see the gospel take root in their lives. We we don't know. We don't know if it's going to take days, months, years, or if we'll ever actually see the harvest come from the seeds that we plant. And I think the Apostle Paul knew this. And that's why in Galatians 6, 9, he he encourages the church and he says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Everyone say proper time. What's that even mean? What is the proper time? Right, another, another translation says due season. That's great. I know winter, spring, summer, fall. When's due? You know what I mean? When's... When's the due season? Like, give me, give me days, give me months, give me years, give me a timeline here of when I'm going to see. Like, that's too vague for me. When is the harvest going to come? When am I going to see the harvest for the prayers that I have prayed? Right? Like, when am I going to see the harvest for the time that I've invested? Some of you are maybe even thinking, listen, God, like, my kids are, are not living for you, but all their life I planted seeds in them, and I have yet to see those seeds sprout fruit. When's the harvest going to come? When am I going to see all the time that I've served and given and volunteered finally going to pay off? When is that proper time? When is that due season? We, we don't always know how long it's going to take for the seeds that we plant to become a harvest. So here's, here's what I hope that you can really walk away with today is that as followers of Jesus, we are called to plant seeds. That's our mission. That is what we are called to do. 
And then this is the hard part. And then we're called to let God determine when it's time for harvest. So, so I just want to encourage you today because maybe, maybe you feel like you've been a long, in a long season of planting. Maybe you feel like you have given so much time and so much energy into the people around you, investing in your family, investing in your kids, investing in your marriage, investing in the people around you, planting seeds, build, seeking to try to build God's kingdom. And maybe you're a little bit discouraged because it feels like you haven't seen a whole lot of harvest from the seeds that you've been planting. Maybe you're here today and you're tired and you're weary and you're worn out and you're discouraged and you're just asking God, give me at least a sign that the things that I'm doing, that the work that I'm putting in, the time that I'm investing, all that I'm giving to the people around me, God, help me at least, give me a sign that I'm not doing these things in vain. I can't promise you a harvest today, but I do want to encourage you as you continue to plant the seeds of blessing that God has given you. I want to encourage you with a few things. So as you plant, remember to, number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Plant in fertile soil. Plant in fertile soil. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. This is a parable that Jesus, that Jesus taught. And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 3. It says, Then he told them, the crowd, many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. So this passage is a good example of Jesus teaching in short stories called parables. And really what he's doing is he's challenging the hearers. He's challenging us to become the type of people that allow the, the seed of the gospel to produce fruit in our lives, to allow what we believe about God to transform how we live in the world. It's about becoming the right kind of soil, good soil, right? But, but on, the, on the flip of that, it can also be an encouragement for us that as we invest in others and as we seek, in a sense, to leave a legacy and as we seek to give and to make a difference, to make sure that we're planting the seeds that God has given us to plant in good soil. Like for instance, I don't have a ton of financial knowledge, okay? Like I learned, like many of you in my high school math class, I learned like the Pythagorean theorem instead of how to do my taxes and invest money well, right? Which makes a lot of sense to me, but you know, that's besides the point. Uh, but, but, but I am trying to learn, I'm trying to get better. I obviously want to set my family up for success in the future. But, but if I had the chance to either take a million dollars that I had to spend or $100,000 that I could invest, probably going to take that $100,000. And then I'm going to call some of you who are way smarter than me, right? And I'm going to get you to help me invest that money because I'm convinced that with some of your help, not all your help, I don't need everybody's help, just some of you who know what you're doing, right? I'm convinced that, that we could turn that $100,000 eventually over time into maybe over a million dollars because you know where the good soil is. You know where to invest it. Now, the, seeds that, the seed that God's called us to invest has zero to do with return on investment for us, right? But it has a lot to do with building and multiplying the kingdom of God. We serve and we give and we invest so that the people around us can come to know Jesus and grow in him and become like him. And so it makes sense that 
that we should take time to consider the soil into which we are sowing the seeds that God has given us. For example, you want to know a good soil? The next generation. It is never a bad idea to invest in kids and teenagers. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, the teenagers of our church, they went to spring retreat. All four campuses sent about 200 students, over 50 leaders, over 70 teenagers gave their lives to Jesus that weekend. And none of that happens. Yeah, let's give God praise for that. It's incredible. And none of that happens if not for many of you investing your time and your talent and your treasure into the next generation. A lot of people talk negatively about the next generation and they're worried about the future of the church and they think, oh, the next generation, they're leaving the church in droves and the future of the church is in trouble. Listen, I call garbage. I call garbage on that. I call garbage, number one, because it's God who builds his church. And I'm never concerned about the future of the church because God is the one who's building it. But number two, because I see that God is raising up a generation of young people who love him and who are passionate to serve him and to follow him. But the moment we stop planting in that fertile soil, then yeah, maybe that's the moment that we find ourselves in trouble. Everything that God's given us is a seed that he has called us to invest time, gifts, resources. I don't, I don't know when the harvest is going to come, but I do want to know that what I'm sowing is not being sown in vain. Like as a dad, my time is precious. And so I want to make sure that I am investing my time well, right? As a leader, I'm not, like I want to make sure that I am investing most of my leadership capacity into people who I know are also going to do the same thing. And I also want to make sure that I'm resting well and I'm taking Sabbath and I'm doing things to set myself up for the long run. As a church, we spend a lot of time researching and making sure that the organizations that we're partnering with and the missions that we're giving to, that it's fertile soil that is going to go and make a difference all around the world, we are called to sow the seeds of blessing that God's given us. So the question is, is are we taking time to make sure that we are investing that seed into good soil? The soil matters. Also, as you plant, remember, number two, that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And this is something that every parent says to their kid, right? You reap what you sow. Let's look at the context of the first verse that we actually looked at in Galatians chapter six. I want to start in verse seven this time. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap the destruction. Whoever sows to please from the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Uh, I wonder if anyone's ever stayed up uh, super late and turned on Christian TV before. Anyone ever done that? Late night Christian TV is a trip, y'all. <laughs> Those guys are wild, right? Like, sow a seed right now. A hundred dollars. And God is going to bless you a hundredfold over the next two months, right? That's not what this verse is saying. That's not what this verse is talking about, right? This verse is simply an understanding that you can't get an apple tree by sowing a watermelon seed, right? You can't put together all the ingredients for sweet potato pie, put it in the oven, expect to get out the pie that's 10 times better, pecan pie. You know what I mean? Like you can't expect to do that, right? 
So what you sow is eventually what you're going to reap. So like for me, say that I want to become the greatest basketball player who ever lived. So like I want to be incredible on defense. I want to be, be able to shoot from anywhere on the court. I want to be able to drive in and dunk on people. Like I want to have this clutch gene. Like basically I want to be LeBron James, right? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just really wanted to offend your pastor for a second is what I wanted to do. I want to be better than Michael Jordan. He's the best, clearly, okay? Come on, come on. He's the best. Jeez. Now, first of all, it's, it's really dumb for me to think that this 5'10 guy, 31-year-old, hasn't played organized basketball since the ninth grade. It's dumb that I think that that's even a possibility, right? But say for the sake of the argument and for the sake of the sermon that that is the harvest I want to reap. I want to become the best basketball player ever. But then I never go to the gym, and I never shoot around, and I never do drills, and I never invest in training, in coaching. I never, I never sow anything towards the harvest that I want to reap. Well, that's just incredibly stupid of me, right? And in the same way, we cannot expect to reap a harvest, a specific harvest that we want to reap, if we are not sowing the right seed. You cannot sow a life of sin and expect to reap the blessings that follow a life that is lived by the Spirit. And this has nothing to do with salvation. It doesn't. Like salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Sowing and reaping has nothing to do with the eternal state of our souls. We sow sin and Jesus, by his grace, allows us to reap eternal life. Like that doesn't make sense, right? But sowing and reaping is a design of the world that God invites us to participate in. So the question is, is where, are you so, where, where do you want to see a harvest? Where do you want to see a harvest? We'll start sowing seed there. You want God to bless your finances? Well, start budgeting and learn how to manage your money well and learn how to be a generous person even when you don't have much to be generous with. You want God to bless your kids? Maybe it just starts by spending more time with your kids. You want God to bless your marriage? Drop your kids off with grandma or with Susie down the street and go take your spouse on a date, right? You want greater peace? Spend more time in God's word and limit the time that you spend on social media because I promise that time on social media is not sowing seed of peace in your life. You want to be more positive? Hang out with more positive people. What is the harvest that you want to reap? Start sowing seed that will allow you to reap that harvest. Or maybe we could say it this way. Nice alliteration for you. Your destiny is determined by your daily disciplines. Your destiny is determined by your daily disciplines. You want to be a healthier person? Have healthier habits. You, you want to be a, a more fully devoted follower of Jesus? Have more consistent spiritual habits. You want to be a p- better parent? What decisions are you making today that are going to help you go in that direction? Because the fact is, is who you are who you are going to be and the impact that you are going to have is not going to be determined by the harvest that you want to reap, but by the sows, the, the seeds that you are sowing. What's the harvest you want to reap? Start sowing the right seeds to get there. You reap what you sow. Also, as you plant, number three, trust God to bring the rain. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to a church in the city of Corinth that was dealing with a lot of issues, and one of them was division. There was a group of people, Paul started the church, and so a group of people felt loyal to him. And then there was another guy who came in named Apollos. And I don't know, every time I hear that, 
I always think of like Apollo Creed. Like that's what it makes me think of, right? Apollo Creed just out here going and pastoring the church in Corinth. Uh, but he kind of came and pastored them for a season. And then, so there were some people who felt loyal to him. And, and so there's this kind of division that this is creating. And so Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. In other words, what's our calling? We plant. We, we, we plow the fields, we plant the seed, we, we invest and we sow and we give and we can even water to try to help along the process. But ultimately, who's the one who brings the rain? Who's the one who puts the sun in the sky? As a staff, we have a saying that we're farmers, not magicians. And sometimes I think it might be easier if we were magicians. My grandpa is the greatest magician ever. For I still don't know how he pulls all those quarters out of my ear. You know what I mean? Like, how do... <laughs> Every time I saw him, it's just like another quarter, another quarter. Like, I'd be rich if I could do that right now, you know, just keep pulling out my ear. Um, but, but I do think, I, may, I don't know, maybe it'd be easier to like convince people of God if like I could like read people's minds and make things appear like, look at that. Yeah, you want to believe in Jesus? You know, like that really catch people's attention. But, but the fact is, is, is as followers of Jesus, we're not called to be magicians. We're, we're called to be farmers. And, and, and farmers do the hard things. Farmers plow and farmers plant and they cultivate and they prepare the barns. Farmers work hard. You better believe as followers of Jesus, we are called to work hard. But ultimately, it is God who brings the rain. It is God who puts the sun in the sky. It is God who provides the increase. Psalm 107, verse 37, it says, They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them. And their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. Who blessed them? He did. Yeah, their planting and sowing isn't even the thing that brought the blessing. It just put them in a position to receive the blessing that God already wanted to send their way. We, we see this all throughout scripture, that, that more often than not, the miracles that God performs are preceded by action that God calls us to. Right, God, God tells the Israelites, go march around the city of Jericho and God brings down the walls. He tells Noah, build an ark. Noah built the ark, God sent the rain. He tells Moses, raise your staff. Moses raised his staff and it is God who parted the Red Sea. Over and over again, we see this pattern that God calls us to obedience and as we obey him, he's the one who does the miracle. We give and we serve and we invest and we sow and then we trust God to do the things that we cannot do. And that's bring the rain. Fact is, is we're not God. We like to live like we are sometimes. We, we often live like everything depends on us, don't we? That everything is our, on our shoulders. That, that, that our family completely is dependent on us. That our purpose is completely dependent on us. We live like we're God sometimes, but the fact is, is we're not. We're just simply workers in God's field. So plant and sow and give and invest and pour your life into the people around you. And then listen to me, somebody needs to hear this. And then lay your head on the pillow at night and sleep well. 
So often we stay up at night worrying about the things that we cannot control, thinking that all these things depend completely on us. We do what we can and we work hard and we invest and we sow the seeds that God's given us. And then we sleep well, trusting God to bring the rain, trusting that God will bring the harvest when it is time to bring the harvest. We got to trust. We got to trust God to bring the rain. And then last thing, as you plant, be willing to, number four, plant seeds that you will never see grow. Plant seeds that you'll never see grow. Author Wendell Berry, he put it this way. He said, we must be willing to plant a tree that we won't enjoy the shade of. Sometimes this is, this is the hardest thing to do. I heard a story recently about a missionary family named David and Sophia Flood, who in 1921, they moved from Sweden to a remote village in Africa to reach that village with the gospel of Jesus. But when they got there, the chief wouldn't let them into the village, but eventually he allowed them to basically build their own mud hut about half a mile away from the village. They weren't allowed to interact with anyone in the village except for this little boy who was allowed to sell them chicken and eggs uh, twice a week. And so Sophia Flood, she wasn't gonna be deterred. She's like, okay, if this is the only person that I can interact with from this village, I'm at least going to lead this boy to Jesus. And that's exactly what she did. She led this boy to Jesus. And shortly afterwards, David and Sophia found out that they were going to be having a baby. And then 17 days after that baby was born, Sophia passed away from complications involved or stemming from a difficult delivery. And so her husband, David, he was broken. He was hurt. He left their hut. He traveled back to the base of their missions organization. He handed them their newborn baby and, and said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife. I can't take care of this baby. And these were his words. He said, God has ruined my life. And he left. And so David and Sophia's daughter was named Aggie, and she was adopted by uh, a, some pastors who lived in South Dakota. She grew up, she attended Bible college in Minneapolis, where she met and married a young man named Dewey Hurst, and they enjoyed a fruitful life of ministry together. And then one day, a Swedish Christian magazine appeared in her mailbox, and she has no idea who put it there. But as she turned the pages, she came across this photo that was in a primitive setting of a grave with a white cross. And on the white cross was the name Svea Flood, which is the name of her mother. And so the article, it talked about these missionaries from Sweden who went to Africa long ago, talked about the birth of a baby, the death of a young mother, about one, how that one little boy gave his life to Jesus and how after all the missionaries had left, the boy grew up and somehow persuaded the chief to allow him to build a school in that village. All the kids in the village started coming to that school. He led all the kids in his school to Jesus. Those kids went home, led their parents to Jesus. And eventually the chief gave his life to Jesus. And at the writing of that article, 600 Christians lived in that village all because of the seed of David and Sophia flood. Aggie, she was able to eventually track down her birth father and lead him back to the Lord. She was able to meet that young boy who her mother led to Jesus. 
and found out that he now served as the superintendent of the national church in Zaire, Africa. And through basically their church planning efforts, 110,000 people had been baptized in water, given their life to Jesus. And it all stemmed from the seed of David and Sphia Flood. Eventually she was able to go back and visit her mother's grave. And as she kneeled at the wooden cross, the, the, the pastor from the church in that village read from John 12, 24. It says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Sometimes you've got to be willing to plant seeds that you're never actually going to see grow. Let's go back to the, the first verse that we started with this morning, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul was concerned that the believers might become weary, tired, worn out, and doing good, and sowing seed and investing and giving and pouring into the people around them. Why? Because he understood that sowing season is a lot more difficult than harvest season. And honestly, I think there might be some people who really feel that in your bones this morning because it feels like you've been in a long season of sowing. It feels like you have been giving and serving and investing in the people around you. It feels like you have been pouring so much into your kids and you're wondering, God, am I ever gonna see this return on investment? God, is, is, is this even working? feels like you're investing so much into your marriage and feel like this isn't being reciprocated. I'm trying, I'm investing, I'm sowing seed, but God, is it actually even making a difference? It feels like you have been giving so much and serving so much and trying to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And it feels like you're just not really seeing the impact of the seeds that you've been sowing and you're tired and you're discouraged and you're weary and you're worn out and you're wondering, God, am I actually making a difference? Am I actually making a difference? Am I actually making an impact on the people around me? God, I know you've called me to this. I know this is my purpose. I know you've called me to serve, to give, to lead this business, whatever. But Lord, is it actually making a difference? And my prayer for you today is that you'd be encouraged. You'd be encouraged to continue sowing the seeds that God's called you to sow. You'd be encouraged to continue to plant those seeds and continue to water those seeds and continue to do the things that you can do. And honestly, my biggest prayer for you today is that when you do all that you can do, that you would be able to rest well at night. That tonight you'd actually get a good night's sleep. That you'd stop, wor stop worrying about the things that you can't control. You'd stop allowing the anxious, those anxious thoughts to keep you up at night, wondering what more you can do to make a difference and that you would be able to rest well, trusting the Lord to do the things that you cannot do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much for the purpose you've given us. God, thank you for the things that you've called us to. God, thank you for the seeds of blessing that you have blessed us with to not keep for ourselves, but to turn around and to invest and to sow and to give ourselves away to others. God, I pray that you would encourage everybody in this room. God, maybe they're tired, weary, worn out, frustrated, feeling like they've been giving so much, not sure that it's actually making a difference. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to see at least a piece of the harvest. 
God, I pray that we would be able to celebrate even a little win today. God, to see that all that we have been investing and giving and serving, Lord, is making a difference in the people around us, in our community, in our family, in our friends group. Lord, help us to see that, that you've called us to this. That we'd be committed to continue to sow the seeds that you've given us to sow. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, the greatest seed ever sown is really when Jesus came and, and gave his life for us. And he died on that cross so that you and I could have life and hope and purpose through him. Maybe today you're not following Jesus. Maybe you're not living for him. You're living for yourself. You're living in sin. But, but you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin today. You want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life today. You want to turn your life over to him and live in the purpose that he has for you. You want to follow Jesus today. If that's you, would you lift your hand in the air? I'd love the opportunity to pray with you this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray this prayer together as a family? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Today, I trust you. I give you my life. I turn from my sin and I choose to follow you. And I'm gonna live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.